oh god we're so glad you got here in time it's august 15th you made it you made it just in time i'm so excited oh oh i, I think i see his lights coming pulling up in the god, driveway did you get the cake did you forget the cake did no, i no, forget no. the cake everybody get into positions oh, he's opening okay. the door right now it taught me not to do interviews with Henry Cavill where I don't say anything and they can lay Simon Garfunkel Happy tracks over birthday, it. That's one thing I learned. To you. Happy, Happy birthday, birthday to you. Happy birthday, dear Batfleck. Happy birthday to you. We did it! Blow out the candles, Ben! Excuse me. Who the f are you? One, two, three, four. In this podcast, you will be here. Knights of Vader, Knights of Vader. Includes, but is not led to who? Talk of Star Wars. to an inferiority complex for providing our theme song it is august 8th or do we want to lie and say it's the 15th it's the it's the 15th in my mind all right it's august 15th 2019 my name is zach weber and today i am joined by the one half of r and r just rob this time just no rob. russ all right no russ. and i'm here for on a very very special occasion it's a very very special occasion but uh, I'm not really happy about being here, probably the first time on Knights of Vader, because of what we're discussing. So, um, I'm happy to talk about the special occasion, Zach, but how about I start with that, and then I'll throw the topic for the day onto you. Is that fair? Go for it, sir. All right. Well, if you uh, have ever listened to Cinemodities, if you ever listened to Rob and Zach talk to each other, you know that there is some strange infatuation, more so on Rob's side of the relationship, with Ben Affleck's birthday. And it might be because Rob has the same birthday. It might be because Star Wars, the Clone Wars film, came out on the same day. Who knows really where it comes from. But we love to celebrate Ben Affleck's birthday on August 15th. And Zach and I were just racking our heads. We said we knew we needed to do something special. We needed to devote an episode to Mr. Ben Affleck. His fantastically consistent acting is probably the best way I would put it. So we watched a bunch of movies of his and we decided that the best way, and with an actual tie-in to something more relevant, to honor him this year was with a Knights of Vader episode. And Zach, I will now throw it over to you. I don't even want to say the name of this movie. <laughs> well, folks, it wouldn't be right unless on a Star Wars podcast we're talking about a superhero property. So this is our very loose tie into Star Wars because the ultimate goal is to honor and to uh, celebrate Ben Affleck's birthday. But we are going to be talking about Justice League 2017. Oh. But as, <laughs> as we know, it's not just Rob in the audience right now scoffing and sighing at that. But there's a reason why. Because 
one of the co-screenwriters of Justice League is Chris Terrio, co-screenwriter of the greatest film ever made, Batman v Superman, Dawn of 9-11, Argo, and the upcoming The Rise of Skywalker. Which I did not know until Zach told me. That's right, Rob, because when you think of quality screenwriting to pen the conclusion to the Star Wars saga, you think of the guy that gave you Batman v Superman, Dawn of Twin Towers falling down, and Justice League. Definitely. Zack Snyder. <laughs> <laughs> I think he's no, being honest, Hack Snyder. Oh, of course, yes. On this on this podcast, we, he's, he's Hack Snyder, residentially. But I do have to say, like, I did not know that this, this there was this writing crossover, I should say, between these projects, um, DC and Star Wars, until Zach told me, and I had also never heard of this guy, or I'm sure I've seen his name, of course, seeing a lot of these movies in the credits, but I've never, he's, he's never stood out to me before. So I really went into this blind. He shouldn't stand out to you because I don't think he's that good of a writer. <laughs> Are you telling me that you don't think the line, the lasso of truth forces you to tell the truth is golden? <laughs> Well, I'm jumping ahead. I, I do have things to say. I think that's the that's my kind of saving grace for this episode because I have clearly not hidden it that I'm not a fan of this movie. Uh, to be fair, I've only seen it once, and it was for this recording. I After the Marvel Cinematic Universe, after Endgame Experiment, all that stuff, I was just done with superhero movies. And originally, Zach hooked me by saying I was only going to have to watch the second half of Justice League. But then that rug got pulled out from under me. Um, but... I, like I said, saving grace, I got to focus on the writing and think about it a little more critically. So I'm glad there's some grounding to my part of the conversation. Yeah. The reason why we're doing this, folks, is we need some background going into this Star Wars movie. And I know a lot of times when we just dissect Star Wars stuff, we get so hung up on like the minutia of it. Being like, oh, like, like we've done the last couple of weeks. Plot points. Oh, like, what's going to happen this? What's Palpy going to do? What's Ray going to do? Where's Luke Skywalker's place into this? Why Why is poor Billy D. Williams being forced to stand up for hours at a time just <laughs> to sit there and wear the same costume that Donald Glover wore for hours at a time a year prior? We have to realize there is Hollywood behind this, and you got to understand how Hollywood works to appreciate how these movies come across come out eventually and mm-hmm. what better way to do that because on cinemodities our inaugural episode was batman v superman dawn of terrorism <laughs> but we couldn't discuss it again as much as i'd love to discuss the the cinematic opus that is batman v superman we couldn't just delve into it again what a year and a half later rob yeah yeah um because it it would be too soon and yes that's a slight 9-11 joke uh, and also because I would never want to watch that film again. And I think in our episode, I say I'm never going to watch it again. <laughs> I have never stopped watching it, folks. <laughs> that that nightmare right sequence now. is on, uh, you got a permanent like DVD player just on, with that on loop, right? Oh, definitely. Um, that with the first like 10 minutes of the film, which are just all 9-11 imagery. Um, <laughs> it's funny. Everybody walked in at Man Steel saying it's too violent. And Zack Snyder's like, you know what? You think that's violent? I'm going to begin the movie with that. <laughs> how'd the pitch how'd the pitch meeting go for uh batman v superman rob oh like uh is this the relation to when james cameron did the titanic he was like romeo and julia on the titanic this dude's like su- like superman but 9-11 or something like that right exactly folks there's, there's there's a story in hollywood and i think jimmy c has backed this up saying he pitched titanic to fox by saying he had a uh, uh 
Oh God, a painting, a painting of the Titanic, and he said Romeo and Juliet on that, pointing to the Titanic. Zack Snyder did a very similar thing when he pitched Man of Steel to Warner Brothers. He found footage of the second tower being struck by a plane and said that, but it's Superman. And Warner Brothers is like sold. How much money <laughs> do you want, Mister Snyder? And they just kept writing him blank checks. I'm pretty sure that happened. I have no evidence to back it up with, though. But based <laughs> on the final product, we can't argue with that conclusion. True. And we're not laughing at 9-11. We're laughing at the insanity of making a Superman movie and that being your kind of like your basis for the, the climax. Yeah. yeah of one absolutely. film and the introduction to the other one. It's it's sheer insanity, folks. Absolutely. Um, it's like it's like saying something like if a writer sat down and he's like, okay. What if one of the people has a different reaction to the gas chambers in a concentration camp and they become a superhero and kill all the Nazis from inside the concentration camp? It's like, whoa, we don't have to start that dark, right? <laughs> no, <laughs> no, not at all. But it is applicable to Star Wars, folks, because Chris Terrio was a writer on Batman v Superman. So this is all fair game to you in the audience, the stick to the issues crowd. This is within the bounds of our conversation. But when it comes to Justice League, Justice League is an anomaly of a film for many reasons, a whole host of reasons. Right, Rob? Yeah, and you know, even more than I was privy to because Zach sent me a, a, a kind of behind-the-scenes uh, a summary of all the behind-the-scenes stuff that went on with this movie. And I was like, okay, you know, I've, I, I watched it. And for like the first few minutes, maybe first half, I'm like, oh, yeah, I know this. They talk about Zack Snyder, what happened with his family, him leaving the project, the reshoots the Snyder cut, and then it keeps going, and there's even more stuff that I wasn't aware of. So, yeah, a lot of drama and, and I guess, um, micromanaging and, and co-mingling of all the forces behind the screen to create just this one lump of product. Yeah. <laughs> one lump of product is probably the nicest way to describe this movie. <laughs> I'm trying. I'm trying my best. <laughs> you go to the box office. You're like, one lump of product, please. What? They automatically print you out a ticket to Justice League. One. Oh, I love that. One lump of product, please. That's great. That, we might have to add that to the Knights of Vader lexicon with like filthy casual, um, must, what, what's it, mustard ANAs? Like that's mustard, part of yep, the, yep. Mayo must, of the, all those. Yeah, that, that's part of the lexicon. Um, but no, so like I'll link to the video in the show notes. But for those of you who want to check it out, it's a pretty good video that it does a rather concise job in uh, explaining all the drama behind this film. It's called like WTF happened to this movie, Justice League. Mm -hmm. And uh, I guess we should say just going into this that maybe we can't dump on Chris Terrio entirely. Because they did do a lot of reshoots. Joss Whedon definitely put his fingers into this to a large extent. So we don't know how much of this is Chris Terrio's fault. But mm -hmm. at the end of the day, he is credited as both a co-screenwriter. He has a co-story credit and a co-screenwriting credit. Okay. And Joss Whedon is, is not listed as co-director. He is listed as a co-screenwriter. Yeah. Do we know uh, what... Uh, credit Steve Terrio would get on Rise of Skywalker, or would that be something we have to wait till the actual film to come out for? I think it's I think it's co-screenwriter with with uh, Jar Jar Abrams. Okay, okay, gotcha. I think so. Well, getting into it though, Justice League 2017. It uh, it's a film. It's a lump of product that features Batman, Wonder Woman. Wonder Woman! I guess I am excited to say that again. It's been a while. Good, good. <laughs> See, we haven't, we haven't said that in a while, folks. Um, uh, the Flash, Cyborg. Uh, Jason Maman Momoa Aquaman, yeah, and uh, Green Lantern, happened. 
Um, well, a Green Lantern. Dr. Manhattan's in this. Uh, don't forget that. <laughs> J.K. Simmons as J. Yeah. Jonah Jameson's in this. Yeah. This is a movie yeah. that has a really large cast. That's the weird thing about it. Like, there's like an insane amount of talent in this movie. Yeah, that that is truthful. It's um, it's almost embarrassing when you realize it. Kieran Hines providing the voice for a lump of product. <laughs> is he a uh, Steppenwolf? Oh yeah, yeah. You have okay. to ask Rob. Well, I say when you think of <laughs> Justice League, and I say a lump of product. If Steppenwolf isn't the first thing that comes to your mind, <laughs> mother. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, so, again, the framework for discussing this film is at least I gave it to Rob. And, of course, we're going to kind of, like, go outside the boundaries of that from time to time. We're going to try to look at this film more or less, like, in the the guise of the script and the story. Mm -hmm. Because a lot of, like, the special effects are really, really, eh, at some parts. Yes. The acting is wooden. Yes. And a lot of the editing is just like jarring. Like my favorite sequence is the film of the film is it begins with Batman capturing a, a demon wasp and he has and, like a, and a police siren what misfires? Yes. <laughs> and it causes it to explode into the exact pattern he's been seeing in Lex Luthor's notes. Fantastic. <laughs> Fantastic. But that's not the best piece of editing in this because we see him during the sequence and he has a five o'clock shadow. Then the very next sequence is him with a full beard. Then the next <laughs> shot is him shaving the beard on an airplane, mind you. I, uh, yes. But somehow he was able to grow a full beard in an evening. <laughs> that is perfect. The, ben Affleck is a very talented man. Um, if only his acting prowess was up there with his facial hair growing abilities. <laughs> yeah, folks, this this movie is a complete like mess. I think you would agree with that, right? Well, I, I should say overall thoughts, right? Before uh, we get into specifics. Yeah, I could I could do that. I do have something overall to say about the writing, kind of. I think when seeing this movie, it gave me an epiphany that I want to highlight, which I think will tie into this the the perspective we want. But overall for this movie. I think I've said it before, just historically, I've been a bigger DC fan than Marvel, you know, reading the comic books, growing up around comic book shops and, and that atmosphere. It, I've always kind of been bummed also about what the movies have done. I really liked Wonder Woman, um, like the Green Lantern movie with Ryan Reynolds. That was like a letdown for me, even though I liked parts of it. And it was just cool to see like my favorite superhero on the screen type of thing. But I'm still kind of let down, even now knowing that I'm, I've always kind of been bummed by the DC movies, that I'm still able to be bummed out by things. Like, when I watched this movie, I thought they were going really, really hard to get the tone and the feeling of the old Justice League cartoons. And so, well, I'm, I guess not really old, but I have seen many times over the Cartoon Network show, Justice League and Justice League Unlimited. They were basically, you know, Unlimited was a continuation of Justice League. And I love it. And they capture the tone of the DC comics perfectly, I think. And they have all these different, you know, cameos of heroes, and it's a great show. And I felt that they were trying to do that in this film, and it just came off as cheesy or, you know, groany, eye-rolling jokes, and, and almost, and I think really the other point I have gets into the writing, um, so I'll save that for now. But overall, this doesn't meet that mark of what I want from any movie, let alone a superhero movie. I've never been a big DC person just because it, it just it was never my thing. Spider-Man was always my cup of tea growing up. Um, I've seen all the DC movies, the, the new era of DC movies in theaters, except for Aquaman, which I kind of it's kind of like, eh, whatever. <laughs> yeah. I've heard that's pretty good for the most part, like from what I've seen. I, I saw it eventually on home video, 
and it's neat. Like it's it's insanely goofy, and it's kind of amazing that it made like more money than this did. Um, it's kind of hard to believe we live in a world where a solo Wonder Woman and Aquaman movie made more than a Justice League movie. Yeah, and Batman v Superman. That's kind of like baffling when you think about it. Um, but I saw Justice League in theaters in November of 2017, and when I pitched Rob on this, he's like, "Oh, so what happens in it?" And I'm like, "I don't know." And he's like, <laughs> "Oh, so you haven't seen it since theaters?" And I'm like, "No, I own a copy of it, and I've watched it since then, but I still don't know what goes on in the movie." <laughs> and after I rewatched this. I still kind of don't know what goes on in the movie. <laughs> like, like I can't figure out what this movie's about. Is it about the mother boxes or is it about bringing Superman's corpse back to life? What is this movie about? Uh, interesting. You say that because I honestly thought it was about the plight of the native Americans. The first time I saw it. <laughs> <laughs> It's a room two thirty seven joke for you, but uh, <laughs> uh, I I think it's this seems to be like a stepping stone. Like thinking of of you know trying when I when I think of DC, I think of like you know they're trying to get into a big strong cinematic universe like Marvel has, and this was meant to be a stepping stone to be like let's introduce this concept of you know Steppenwolf, who's going to be one of like the lackeys for Darkseid, who's going to be the big baddie later on, and this movie kind of shows that you know they get superman back and superman's big and strong and he can take out this lackey no problem type of thing so i kind of saw this as an incomplete stepping stone to something grander that they were hoping for yeah that definitely like okay that's part of and it's a mix of of the two things you said though bringing superman back to life and you know showing this weird tech uh, and old school like when the Atlanteans and the Amazonians fought the Dark Ones in the Mother Boxes, like getting the lore with Superman back to life, that's I think what they were going for. That's, but that's the thing though. Is like this movie had so many problems with it though. Where like they were all they were constantly undermining like what was going on. Okay. Because like like before this movie started filming, like Batman v Superman comes out March of 2016, and this is supposed to begin filming like April 2016. Mm-hmm. And it's like, oh crap, what do we do? Audiences for the most, even though like Batman v Superman made money, it was not what they projected it would do. It fell short of expectations. And like, unless you were a diehard fan of Hack Snyder's like vision of these characters, where you have a homicidal Superman and a like socio psychopathic Batman, exactly, you were not drinking that Kool Aid. And so they were always undermining this. So it's like, oh, you have like this is before like Joss Whedon came in. And they used the de- the suicide of, of Zack Snyder's daughter mm-hmm. as a scapegoat to get rid of him. So that's the weird things that you hear. I remember hearing all these stories back like in 2016 of them being like, oh, Justice League was always going to be a much brighter movie. It was never going to be as like dark and grim because this is even before Suicide Squad came out. Okay. And that movie's another one where they, they, they like reshot like a nice portion of it because they produced a trailer that wasn't indicative of the final product at the yeah, time. Yeah, yeah. And that was like, and, and Warner Brothers has a horrible, or I guess the DC branch of Warner Brothers has a really nasty thing of doing that. We're like, oh, market research says this isn't turning out well. Let's let's just keep turning it around until eventually you just have a mess. Mm-hmm, and that's mm-hmm. where, looking at this, I can't, I don't know how much of this is Chris Terrio's fault. Exactly. Because like you do have things where like 
Bat, you look at Batman's like arc, character arc in Batman v Superman, and it is oh, Superman like is basically a oh lord, a global terrorist or something like that. Like he is like a like what's one step below genocide? Like what is like like mass murderer <laughs> isn't a strong enough term, right? For what he does, yeah, in that movie. yeah, somewhere in between there, yeah. <laughs> like he is just like a like again massacres like an entire city of people, and. Batman's like, oh, and it's a clever like Batman v Superman as a follow up to Man of Steel is as a clever idea of being like, oh, you have a Superman just does not care, mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. Batman comes into the, like an old worn down Batman comes in and it's like, I'm not going to pull up with this. It's like I've worked too hard. This guy's a menace. I'm going to stop him at all costs. That's yep. a clever idea of like considering that we've done like 50 incarnations of Batman on film. Especially, I, after- I agree. Yeah, I think that was. Something that hooked me, you know, before the movie came out when I heard about it, where it was kind of like, oh, they're, they're, you know, they're switching that kind of, uh, in Man of Steel also, you know, they're switching that thing where Superman kind of has to learn how to deal with being on Earth, where most of, like, the, the Superman arcs usually end with Superman basically saying, I've always had to hold back, and now here's a reason I don't need to. But he had to yeah. learn not to hold back, and that's what we get to see. So, yeah, I'm with you. Totally clever premise. Clever premise. Except you watch Batman v Superman and it's like two and a half hour long runtime, and that's not even like the the Hack Snyder cut. Mm-hmm. It's it's like you look at it and it's just like stuff happening. Like Wonder Woman's there for no other reason. I'm sorry, Wonder Woman is there for no other reason than just oh, we need to plug her into this for marketing reasons. Yeah, and don't in Justice League don't they insinuate that. Lex Luthor pulled her out of hiding because he stole the picture of Chris Pine from her. Yes, like, that, that, I'm like, that, what? that that was in Batman v Superman. That was that's I did that's, not remember that at all. So yeah, it that's was why it was new for me again. I remember she was looking for the picture, but I found the line in this movie explicitly explaining that very awkward. <laughs> I guess that's what yeah. I'm saying. <laughs> yeah, that's no, that's there though. And I guess that's Again, that's when they were trying to create their own cinematic universe. They were trying to tie all this stuff together. Mm-hmm. Because, like, think about that. Like, you see the picture of Chris Pine and, like, the rest of them, and that movie wouldn't come out for another, like, year and a half. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's, like, Marvel-level teasing. But at least that's clever teasing. It's a lot better than, like, the security cam footage of, like, the Flash, like, stopping someone from robbing, like, a gas station. And Aquaman, <laughs> yes. like, holding his breath underwater for some weird reason. Like, yeah, like Batman uh, v Superman turns into a variety show for a little bit. <laughs> more or less. And But you have all that, though. And I know everybody, I know it's the Internet's perpetual punching bag. Save Martha! Yes. And. Yep. That at least like, that's the thing I have to wonder about Chris Terrio though, is that you have an angry, mad Batman against mm-hmm. more or less just like a vacuous minded Superman. And you have a Batman that has the ability to kill Superman. And it makes sense knowing both characters' histories that their mothers having the same name would be something that would resonate with super um with Batman. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. That makes sense on paper. Yes, on paper. I agree with that. <laughs> but how they how it trans I don't know if it's how it translates to film or how Hack Snyder handled it. Where does that that idea, which is a pretty clever idea, start to dissolve? Mm-hmm. Uh I I've always kind of felt it was in the 
you know, I'm I'm trying to remember from Batman v Superman that idea, but it was you know like that happens where he's got Batman's got like the spear on him and he's like, "You're killing Martha. Why'd you say that name?" That scene, like I, I agree with you, Zach. It's always better. It's better on paper, but I've always been more turned off by the fact that like immediately after Batman says that, Amy Adams pops out of nowhere yeah, and answers yeah. his question, and I'm like, "This is not a way to resolve this conflict," you know, like, mm-hmm. and so I think it's more in the execution. And it breaks down because they it's it's like a clever idea is trying to get jammed into too tight of a space for it. It's like they have too much other stuff they have to do in this film that they aren't letting that great idea breathe and really shape the the surroundings as it should. Mm-hmm. And that's because I guess we're kind of have to use that as like a fixed point in this discussion because like I've said numerous times now, we don't know how much was changed by like all the different like cooks in the kitchen. Yes. So we have to look at that as like, I consider that's like one of the hallmarks of Batman v Superman for better or for worse. Mm-hmm. We do have to use that as like a fixed point because you look at like Justice League, and I don't, again, I don't think there are any fixed plot points in that movie. Because if you look, I know like one of the biggest jokes on the internet for Justice League was the Henry Cavill mustache yeah, fiasco. Yeah. And to this day, like I was rewatching this, and I don't find his upper lip, upper lip jarring at all. Like none of that bo- I, I can't even pick it out if it wasn't for the fact that the internet keeps like highlighting specific oh, okay. scenes. I'm glad I never, you say that because I, I never agree. picked up on like, it. Like I look at it now because I've heard so much about it, but I never found it distracting. Yeah, I don't see all these people like like that movie was out for like 15 minutes. Whenever it debuted in like November of 2017, and yeah. like there are already like people like taking shots like on their cell phone and like posting it to like meme sites, mm-hmm. and I'm like, it's not that distracting. Like I know there's certain examples like in Fant Four Stick, you'll see like Kate Mara's oh, yeah. wig changes. Like it goes from like oh her natural hair to like blatantly a wig from like shot to shot, and it's like oh clearly they just plugged in like reshoot footage here mm-hmm. but like outside of like a couple of like images here and there there's not a lot in this where you're like oh like i think some of the story beats dictate where the reshoots were more than the jarring upper lip special effects yeah yeah i, I i'm with you because originally from like the video i sent rob they were going to go with a plot line that they start doing what the injustice storyline where superman becomes like what the the warlord Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. He's got the um you can see the remnants of it in this film because when like they're about to bring him back to life, they're like, Oh, everybody loses something when you die, even Superman. And it's like, that's not established, but okay, that's a reason you might worry about this. And yeah, he was supposed to be more of uh aggressive and and it was gonna be harder for them to convince him of who he was, type of thing, or what his morals were. I guess, because then you even have the moment where um do you bleed? Oh. It's like, oh, <laughs> And like apparently that was left over from like the original footage that Hack Snyder film. Like apparently that that entire sequence is like one of the very few things that was pulled directly from his like first cut. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. They they changed the color timing of it because I know if you go back to some of the early trailers for Justice League, the color timing's like completely different. Yeah, I have seen that. Yep. So that's the only thing I can think of is that if if Chris Terrio was doing an injustice plot line. I don't know like how much we can blame him for all of this because like mm-hmm. does the whole thing at the end with Steppenwolf, like how much of that does that play into this? Because clearly a lot, like even the very beginning of this film with like the kids with the cell phone being like Superman, Superman, like how, how fast can you run? And yeah. like, Oh, the costume looks completely different than any other part of the movie. Yep. Yep. 
So that's even though I know I, I, some people are like, well, why are you discussing? Why are you doing this as an episode if you can't tell how much of it is him? And it's like, well, first and foremost, we're doing a Ben Affleck's birthday episode, so you have to deal with the, the sort of like like jumping through hoops we have to do to get there. Yeah, let's get that right. If anybody listening does not know, Ben Affleck plays Batman in this movie, <laughs> and he's with us right now, listening very happily. I, I get what you're saying. You know, how much can we really put on this one person who is involved in this that will transfer over to Star Wars? And I think that's what I was saying with. When I was watching this movie, I started to formulate this idea that I've never really had in, I've never really put to the background of Star Wars. So I kind of want to give it to you and then get your opinion to see if maybe you think that's something Star Wars has ever done or has been doing or maybe will do. So how does that sound, Zach? Go for it, Rob. Okay. So like I said, I didn't want to really watch this movie because I'm just so tired of superhero comic book movies, so burnt out on them. Um, Except Heckboy. I watched Heckboy quite willingly. But Marvel, DC, you know, the big ones as I see them. Marvel, I was just, I've been tired of forever. DC, I didn't even want to start. But as I was watching this and paying attention to the writing, I kind of started to think, and I've convinced myself that both the Marvel universe and the DC universe, and I, I guess the writers and all the people who go into creating it, they they think, maybe not think, they know their audience is stupid. <laughs> <laughs> but they capitalize it they capitalize on it in different ways and this is what justice league made me realize of um avengers endgame is a great example but i know they do it throughout the entirety of the mcu they think the audience is stupid in the sense that if they throw some just you know nonsense science jargon out to explain something like tony stark inventing time travel in an evening because he what well, he does the uh the spectral decomposition factoring it, or he finds an eigenvalue factoring in spectral decomposition. That's nonsense right there. And they think their audience is stupid and they will buy whatever setup that the writers need to just get them through the plot. And that's Marvel. And that worked for Marvel, at least it seemed to. DC, though, and specifically Justice League, I felt they thought their audience was stupid, but felt that they needed to explain why everything was happening. And this goes into the line I've already brought up, where in the, I think, Wonder Woman's first scene of Justice League, she's like stopping the bank robbery or the bank explosion or whatever it is, where she's basically, you know, tells a criminal, she hits him with the lasso, and before he says anything, she says, like, the lasso of Himothera compels you to tell the truth. And it's like, that's for the audience, because the lasso shouldn't <laughs> yeah. be a voice activation command so it makes the bad guy tell the truth. Like, whether or not the bad guy knows that the glowing lasso that's around his body makes him tell the truth is irrelevant. He's going to tell the truth. And that's what I started to get. Like, the whole scene of bringing Superman back to life, where they're like, okay, we got a box, we got a pool of liquid, we got to electrify it. Flash, whenever you move, there's lightning around. You do electricity, right? I do. We got to do this at the exact time that it hits the water, like everything so specifically calculated. And so kind of like both of these universes, I feel that they think we're stupid or they know we're stupid, but they're handling it in different ways. Has Star Wars done that? Like I said, this is something I've never really looked at in Star Wars. Star Wars to me as a childhood thing has always been kind of like, boom, it's Star Wars. It's a grand sci-fi experience. And I've just been on board kind of for it. You know, of course, I've had my issues with the the sequel Disney era stuff, but I've never really looked at it in the sense of, you know, 
oh, are, do they think we're stupid? Like, why are they explaining it? Like, why are they showing me a flashback of something that happened 30 minutes ago? Is that something that, you know, people are maybe criticizing or maybe you've seen in recent Star Wars movies? Kind of that, you know, I don't know, bad... Hand-holding, hand yeah, something along those lines. Hand-holding, whether it be an actual hand-holding like the DC universe or a literal push through the doorway like the Marvel universe. When you first started talking about things like that, I thought of Solo. The fact that there's so much like exposition about fuel and that's about like, remember yeah, that? That's like, a good so point. Much I didn't even think about that, but yeah, I'm thinking about when they're like setting up their heists and stuff. Where I, I remember, even though I enjoyed that movie for the most part, I remember th watching that, thinking like, I get it. Like, come on, get to the stuff where it's going to happen. Like, I understand you have to get a train, you know. There's a lot less of the plot unfolding and a lot of explaining how the plot will unfold. Yes, yeah. And I think that's it's funny. Solo is another film that had a horrible reshoots period. Mm -hmm. But it's funny. Something like you think of something like Rogue One, and Rogue One doesn't do that. Rogue One kind of unfolds at a natural, like, okay, Jin Erso and friends commandeer a ship. They're going, they're just, they're just taking the ship and they're going to go to the planet. They land to the planet. And yes, there's some stuff that's just kind of like basic outline of what the plan is. It's not detailed of landing, landing out of the like, oh, okay, you go to pad 13, you go to pad 17. When you get there, activate your detonators. Once you activate your detonators, the stormtroopers will come out. Once the stormtroopers come out, that'll leave the base, the core base, yeah. more or less empty, which will allow us to commandeer an elevator without much, uh, chance of being stopped there's not a lot of that yeah I, I, exactly. for the most part um you could also make the point too that there's maybe a little bit more of that in the last jedi as well because there is stuff like when again them running out of fuel how are they tracking us through hyperspace mm -hmm. um it's not as bad as explaining the lasso truth it's not as it's never i don't think star wars ever gets that blatant with it um oh yeah i i would agree with you but that's kind of what i was trying to get a gauge of because I still, I've only seen The Last Jedi once, and so <laughs> I was okay. thinking, you know, maybe that was something that was more apparent in there, but I, I don't recall it from what I remember. Well, I guess we have to look at it, too, because you're also our residential J.J. Abrams expert, and uh, I'm sorry, that is a, uh, what a disgraceful <laughs> title to be bestowed upon. Um, <laughs> I take but, what I get. <laughs> <laughs> that's on Rob's business card. Residential J.J. Abrams expert. Then parenthetical. What a disgraceful title. <laughs> uh, but no, like looking at like trying to like marry the two. Like you have we have Chris Terrio's background, we have JJ Abrams' background. Mm -hmm. And you look at The Force Awakens, and The Force Awakens in a lot of JJ Abrams' filmography is very like tight and concise. Yeah. He's not yeah. he he does not he likes keeping things brisk. And I yeah, don't he wants to focus more on the human elements rather than well, the, get bogged down in the rules. That's how I've always kind of thought about it. Yeah. Human letting the actors intermingle and or the humans, the actors intermingle in the spectacle. It's it's mm -hmm. those that's what he's concerned about. Um, I don't think he's concerned about having a particularly witty script as long as the characters just the characters are fun to watch interact mm -hmm. and the spectacles plugged into all the right elements. And I don't know. So you take a high concept moment like Martha or like Superman being a warlord. And how does somebody like J.J. Abrams translate that to the screen? Uh, like, let's yeah. Take, let's take the concept of, OK, we're bringing Palpatine back. You're Chris Terrio. You have co-written this script with J.J. You are bringing 
the villain of the previous two trilogies back. Mm-hmm. How mm-hmm. do you do that in a way without providing? Because you have to explain that. You can't just have Palpatine show up and be like, "Hey, everybody, Misa back." You can't do that. <laughs> yeah, you have to explain that. And how do you do that without getting into minutia? I see. Uh, I don't know. I feel like it could be done with with something that you know could get like. Uh... I don't know, chalked up to, I I mean, I'm not saying it wouldn't get some flack from fans, but chalked up to the Force. Like, you know, that's kind of one of the things I see Star Wars as, is they have their constant deus ex machina, basically, of the Force. And that is basically, you know, just the science jargon of this universe, as I've seen it. So I, I I definitely think it could be done without getting really into details. But I see what you're saying, where, you know, maybe they would try to blend that more, where one of them would have the details, one of them would care more about the just the consequences of it maybe there's something a little more um artistic to its delivery but like you already said whether it come to the lasso truth or tony stark figuring out time travel in in an evening neither of those films have the same baggage that star wars does no the most hardcore of the marvel mcu fans the ones that were buying 800 tickets to help it beat avatar at the box office they don't care how Tony Stark figures out time travel. All mm-hmm. that matters mm-hmm. is that he comes up with some line of dialogue that can be plugged into the script, and there you go. Star- mass audiences won't care how Palpatine gets brought back. He's back. I, Why does yeah. it matter? The hardcore Star yep. Wars fans are going to care That's because, a good point. because if it doesn't make sense to them— or if it's a George Lucas thing of just waving the hand of it's the will of the force, Republic credits will be fine. They they're going to get mad. And that's the sort of thing that not that it scares me, but it alarms me. Chris Terrio mm. has a clever idea of, oh, what are the two things that what is the only thing that Batman and Superman have in common? Their mothers are both named Martha. Clever idea. He again, we don't know. Maybe it was Hack Snyder's fault, or maybe it was he's the one who put in Amy Adams coming in, being like, It's his mother, throw your green spear into the puddle of water. Um, <laughs> I know that was Marge Simpson. It's no, that was that was perfect for Amy Adams. That was a one to one Amy Adams. Okay, <laughs> that's why she's never won an Oscar, it's because of that. <laughs> she's uh, Marge Simpson, <laughs> but that's my concern though, is that like. If you can't explain something as easy as Batman and Superman having the same mother's name and why that would resonate with Batman, mm-hmm. how are you going to explain a character that was assumed to be dead for the last 30 plus years and now he's the grand villain of not just the previous two trilogies, but the latest two movies as well? Ah, uh, so. That's a uh, lot of heavy lifting for a good screenwriter. Absolutely. Never absolutely. mind a one that can't kind of is having a hard time with like a uh, uh, a ball that's kind of just lobbed over the plate. Yeah. Okay. So I told myself I wasn't gonna do this, but while you were <laughs> while you were talking, Zach, I I thought of it, so I have to because you of course we're, we've been discussing this so far in um you know a sense of very much you know the the abstract you know not actually how do you do this in this film but of course as you were talking you gave me an idea and so uh let me throw out okay let me throw out my prediction for how palpatine's gonna come back can i do it real Uh -uh. quick (laughs) okay so what you said made me think of you know how do you how do you give that sense of satisfaction like you said at the same time balancing 
um, sense of satisfaction to the fans who need the explanation while balancing the regular going audience who are just going to, you know, buy. They need something to buy and move on with the plot. Take something that's been firmly established and then blow it wide open, like play with it. So here we go. We're going to get an extended scene like on the plane of the force where all the force ghosts live. And it's going to be revealed that all the good force ghosts have been like trying to keep Palpatine's force ghost down because he has a way to return to the material world. And there's going to be like an actual like we're going to get force ghosts fighting with Palpatine <laughs> and, and other force ghosts. That's, that's oh, my God. Because that's, oh, but God. that's what I'm thinking. You take something that everybody knows. Force ghosts. They exist. Where do they exist? We don't know. Let's play with that idea. Let's expand on where we can go with that locale and how that can play into, you know, once again, the force is just the deus ex machina that is everywhere. It permeates the universe. <laughs> That's the weird thing, though. That's the catch-22, though. It's like, would mass audiences be on board with that? I don't know. That's That seems like a little bit of a leap too far, even for mass. I think you know what the weird thing is. I could see the nerds being on board with that, but I could mm -hmm. see mass audiences checking out. Like that's the weird thing too, is because one, it's a weird sort of like balancing act. Just because one appeals to one side, it could at the yes. same time disenfranchise the other side. Yeah, so that might be going, that might be playing too much with the idea of the force ghosts for the regular audience goers. Because I know in Rebels, and I'm not sure if Rob, how much he remembers, and he's probably heard this bits and pieces of this. There is the episode of Rebels where they introduce time travel, and it's the like astral plane, and there's like different portals that open up different like spots of time within Star Wars. So is oh, there you go. <laughs> well, that well that is funny. When you were pitching this, and I can't be the only person hearing it and imagining that in my head, is that they have opened up the door. For that sort of thing Not specifically But there is a There's there's uh, oh god precedent now Hmm I, I, I like that Better than you know they go to the plane of the force Like I was thinking of uh, because You know I think that is a, a Cliche or a film trope that everybody A story trope that everybody can get behind This portal has opened and The evil is coming from the portal Or something like that you know that's That's something that could be turned into or, you know, tweaked for Star Wars, and I think people would buy it, no problem. Because that's a thing that happens in that, but it's fine, we, we'll have to talk about that eventually. With Jeez, people. that's what, oh, it comes full circle, that's what Justice League is, like, the, like, Steppenwolf is like, the Kryptonian died, and so Mother told me where the Mother boxes were, and I'm like, okay, they opened the portal, there you go. So what you're saying is, this is going to be a, 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 a kind of like a murky remake of Justice League. Yes, they're gonna, <laughs> a portal's getting opened. Luke is dead, and a portal oh, is no. open. There you go. We got it. <laughs> I guess we should ask: What are the betting odds on there being portals in this movie? Like, if we're gonna have like the living and the dead, like we haven't talked about exactly how. Like everybody keeps talking about, oh, Palpatine's back. Yet nobody is questioning how is he gonna come back. What plot device are they going to use to bring him back? Portal. Like. <laughs> I'm like no, firmly in the camp of, of uh, portals to different dimensions or realities or something now. That makes total sense to me. Oh, God, like that's a weird thing. Though. Like, there's all these sort of like tropes. Like, we've never had that happen in Star Wars before, where a character comes back to life in the flesh. And I know a lot of people hmm. have convinced themselves that like, oh, no, Palpatine's just going to be like a specter. And I'm like, mm, I don't think so. I don't, I, I don't think so. If you're going to bring Palpatine back... <laughs> You can't just like force ghost him because we've seen yeah. that before. 
They make me think of like Palpatine is a wraith, you know? Kinda, like, yeah, you, exactly. You pour salt around, like the Ray's like, pour salt around him, we can't break through the ring. <laughs> <laughs> oh, it's just, like they go full like poltergeist and stuff with it. <laughs> that'd be fun. That that's what is that's gonna be the remake. It's gonna be the remake of the poltergeist. Forget the Sam Rockwell movie that came out a couple of years ago. <laughs> uh, but no, like, okay, that that's a good point though, because in that Rebels episode, Palpat there is portals. Palpatine is directly involved with it. And there There's is a portals bit- in in the DC movies in the Marvel movies. Portals are what people are dying for these days. You know, nobody the- wants to watch anybody travel anymore. Th- that's the market research is telling them the future is in portals. Yeah. Yep. Nobody wants to watch Ben Affleck shave on an airplane. He has to take the portal. Like that's why this movie Justice League failed. <laughs> oh God! See, that's what happened. They knew folks. They kept that that shaving shot shot so early on in the film. They knew it was going to happen with uh, Henry Cavill. But going back to Chris Terrio, it's it's the idea is that like okay, him and JJ are collaborating on this because mm. this isn't just Chris Terrio working on this. It's it, look at look at some of the talent he's worked with. He's worked with Ben Affleck. He's worked with Hack Snyder. He's worked with JJ Abrams. Yep. So clearly, you would one could assume that he's easy to work with. Yeah, yeah. He's not rubbing anybody really the wrong way at this point in his career, it seems. Yeah. Plus, he has an Oscar, and that can't hurt either. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. For Argo, right? Yes, for Argo. <laughs> you had to it's ask a, that. Well, no, I mean, I was, I was hoping maybe there was like an Oscars recall yesterday in Batman v Superman 1. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. Wouldn't that be great? Batman v Superman won an Oscar. Wouldn't that? Oh, my God. That'd be they great. do that, right? Oscar recalls? <laughs> Oh my god! Based on Twitter polls. <laughs> <laughs> but okay, you're J.J. Abrams, and you go in with because again, I've said it a couple of times on here. I think J.J. is a very narcissistic, egotistical person. Mm-hmm. He goes in with this, probably a story outline. I because we don't. I don't think we know who the story until we get like the the final credits. We don't know who for certain has like the story by credit. Okay, we know we know there's a shared screenwriting credit between the two of them. Yeah. But if you're JJ and you go to him, okay, we need to bring back Palpatine. Will it be as like I don't know? Like that's the thing about again, Rob. You're the JJ Abrams expert. How do you like, will JJ try to explain any of this, or will it just be glossed over? Like I that's think, it. I think if JJ if JJ was going to do this, like I'm thinking solely him, it would he would think he needs to explain it. I definitely believe, and but I think that he would do it. In such a way that is somewhat, um, I don't want to say ambiguous, because, you know, when you're dealing with science fiction, it has to be ambiguous to any extent, but maybe a little more vague, where it's something that, you know, could possibly leave a door open for later Star Wars TV series or movies if, you know, when the after the drought or whatever, but something very emotional, like something very much based on that, like the Sith and the fear and the dark side of the Force kind of re-manifesting Maybe not Palpatine, but like something that is just the evil entity that takes the name Palpatine. That I'm not saying that's what's going to be in the movie, but that's kind of where I think JJ would come from. This he would he would begin to say it's you know oh it's not just like uh, oh we say a spell someone's back to life you, while you protected his body from the evil people. It's like we actually had this deep long term connection of negative emotions with the force that re-manifested this being in some way. It would be more vague and emotional and leave the door open to be like, oh, if like if you could do that, what's a really good thing? What's a kind of like what it, what else can happen if this like long-term force kind of situation? So that's what I'm thinking. It'd be it would be that very emotional, non-physical 
um, aspect of it, I think. Okay. Because, like, as I'm looking at all this, and I'm, I'm kind of going through all of J.J. Abrams' like work, thinking of things like Star Trek, Star Trek Into Darkness, Super 8, uh, Mission Impossible 3. There's a bug in my brain. You gotta flip the switch now. I don't want to do it now. I don't want to do it. I love you. <laughs> oh, it's great. Um, quality film. We all get a scene like that in The Rise of Skywalker. Yeah, I, that, well, there you go. That's how they, they bring br- Alpatine back. They shock him back to life. No, that's how he bring Kylo Ren back to life. Oh, okay. There you go. He, he tells Ray he has a bug in his brain. <laughs> I have a bug in my brain. I, I have a feeling we made, I made this exact same joke like back in, like, what, March or April? I feel like we were doing our... Uh, <laughs> Probably. I think we made this exact same joke. Um, so what about whoever's rebuilding Kylo Ren's mask puts the bug in it, and then that's how it gets in his brain? Oh, God. <laughs> oh, no. Okay, now that's an interesting point, though. We know that Kylo Ren reforges the helmet through whatever means. The rumor mill is filled with speculation on that. Sure, would, sure. I'm only going be... off of the, the trailer that has the furry hands in it. Yes, the furry hands um, welding it back together. And there's a there's a okay there was a rumor last week on Knights of Air that we speculated that the helmet could be some sort of conduit for Palpatine. Mmm, like a receiver type thing, maybe. Yes. Okay, oh. maybe, I, folks, I have no idea. We've recorded like three or four Knights of Vader episodes. They're all starting to blend together. I have no idea when they're all coming out. Maybe someone, be... some evil people have realized the force connection Ray and Kylo Ren have, so they give them this helmet that's going to like tap into it type of thing. Well, it's the sort of thing, like, I know it's going to be on next week's episode of Knights of Vader that we recorded Palpatine's yesterday. going to steal their cable. <laughs> <laughs> he steals their HBO. Um... No, the point being is that what if Palpatine needs the helmet to like it's there's some importance to the helmet because we, we even speculated on next week's episode, which is a weird thing to say, that the helmet could be maybe some sort of like weird relic left over from like the old Republic era. Like it's a relic of like hmm. it's 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 a it'd be the, the, the helmet could be used as a backdoor pilot to if they ever delve into the old republic nonsense. And what if the helmet, like you have the sequence in The Force Awakens where Kylo Ren is speaking to Vader's helmet. And what if it's not the hel- the Vader helmet speaking to him? What if it's his own helmet? He's just mis- uh, misidentifying it. Gotcha. And when Kylo Ren breaks the helmet in The Last Jedi, his the spell over him dissipates. Hmm. Okay, okay. And so Kylo Ren, something, something happens. He has to rebuild the helmet for whatever reason. And he knows the helmet is a conduit for Palpatine. So he builds some level of bug into it. So mm-hmm. if something happens where, where he loses control of a situation, he can, and folks, I'm not saying this is going to say this is going to happen. I'm just, I'm making it up as I go along. And let's say there's something he can do in the helmet that he can kind of like, I don't want to say deactivate it, but he can kind of self-destruct the helmet. Yeah. Okay. So like he can get the final, I don't want to say the last laugh on Palpy, but he can kind of like diminish. Cause I do think Palpatine's going to come back, but I don't think it's going to be monster mash. I don't think mm-hmm. we're going to have Ian McDermott with like the 16 layers of latex on his face. I okay. wouldn't be surprised if Palpatine reincarnated is Matt Smith wearing the helmet. Sure. Yeah. And that that's Palpatine coming back. Yeah. Is, is, is Matt Smith wearing the helmet? Mm-hmm. And cause I, again, I think again, I, I said it last week, I'll say it again. John justice had the idea 
that the helmet has to have the whole fact that they're bringing the helmet back. I guess it's another point of this. Chris Terrio, he's told we need to bring the helmet back. How mm-hmm. do we do it? And would that make sense? Like considering what we've seen so far based on his filmography, that the helmet is some sort of conduit toward what Palpatine's doing. Would that be something that Absolutely. him and JJ would do? Absolutely. Just the movies that, you know, we've discussed him writing, they are all, I like to think of them as collect quest movies. They are object oriented. Like what did Justice League had to do? Get the boxes. What did Batman v Superman have to do? Or Batman have to do? get the spear. You know, what did Argo have to do? We had to get the people. And it's all like, just go, go somewhere, get this thing, do something with it. So absolutely, I could see that happening. And that plays into everything we've heard about the rise of Skywalker. It being like, we go to MacGuffin 1. MacGuffin 1 leads us to MacGuffin 2. And that leads us to number third MacGuffin. Yeah, and then that yeah. leads us to Palpatine. Collect quest, exactly. Collect quest. But I guess that's my, another issue with Chris Terrio, and even though Argo isn't really applicable here, is that both Batman v Superman and Justice League have kind of, I don't want to say poor climaxes, but they're kind of just like, like wet noodle climaxes. Like they don't know when to end. Mm, like, whereas like ba- Star Wars would need the big grand finale. You would need the conclusion to end all conclusions. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to defeat Palpatine, you need to sit there. Like, every, it needs to be guns ablazing from every which angle. Yep, absolutely. And Batman v Superman, you have like them punching Dark. Oh, no, not Dark Side. Doomsday, Doomsday in the face. Yeah. It's like the, the, the fight begins with if we hurt him, he grows bigger. Wonder Woman stabs him. Batman shoots him. Superman <laughs> punches him. And it's like, I guess nobody listened to that. I guess they they had a, a dropped call at that exact same moment. It didn't work again. <laughs> That's what I'm afraid of. And then Justice League just is just punching Steppenwolf in the face repeatedly. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And then, yeah, like we said, collect quest. And then once you find the thing, then it's let's play keep away. It's let's make sure nobody stops Cyborg while he's messing with the boxes. And it's yeah. just, it's, it's the same. It's like, you know, capture the flag, protect the base, capture the flag, protect the base over and over and over. And it's not, you know, it's not just really even the comic book movies that we're discussing. I, I've had this problem with a lot of movies these days. Well, it's, in, it's end game. But the yeah, yeah. Just go, you know, pick it up, get it, do something with it. And it's it's just like, okay, you know, there's there's no real thought to it anymore. There's just witty one-liners that pepper everything in between. Because I'm trying to think, what is the climax to the Rise of Skywalker going to be? Like, clearly, we know what, like, the falling action's going to be. It's going to be the Thanos dissolving into dust. Like, pal- yes, like pal- and I, I'm pretty sure on the episode you had me on when we discussed, what was it? The David Lynch Return of the Jedi or Rise of the Jedi. I said the ending was going to be the Sergeant Pepper's cover of Force Ghosts singing Yub Nub. Like every, <laughs> everybody gets a Force Ghost. Like even the Rancor gets a, a Force Ghost. I think everybody said that at this point. Like Ponda Baba's going to have, like his arm's going to have a Force Ghost. It's going to be an Everybody. Arm, like, everybody's in there. Yeah. All the limbs. All but yeah, but you're, limbs we're, we're talking about ghost. the big action scene, right? Like what's the big yeah. showdown? What's the Vader throwing Palpatine over the railing type of thing? Well, not even that. I mean, oh. even prior to that, I mean, like what is going to be our duel? What is going to be the Luke oh. versus Vader mm-hmm. and the Lando? Like or like, is Han trying to get into the into the shield generator base, and Lando just like stalling for time? 
Like, yeah, what is that okay. going to be? Like, again, the rumor is this movie is going to be like six and a half hours long. Like, it's going to be Avengers <laughs> Endgame level because it has to be epic. Like, a movie can't be epic at two hours. It has to be epic at three and a half hours. And so it's like, okay. And we kind of discussed this last week. It's that what is going to happen in the movie once Palpatine gets brought back? Like, mm-hmm. is Palpatine going to be brought back and then it's going to be, oh, we then have to overthrow him? Or is it going to be Avengers Endgame where Thanos shows up and then immediately we go to a fight? Yeah, yeah. I don't know. Like it how, seems like... Like, we have to know, realize. Does, does anybody want, like, backstory? Uh, like we said, we want the explanation of why Palpatine's back. But once Palpatine is back, is anybody going to care, like, really? Like, what's been going on in his crazy head? They're just going to want to see him start to, you know, mess stuff up and fight our heroes. That's that's what I think's going to happen because I don't think we're going to have like an immediate like oh the Avengers bring everybody back and then five seconds later Ant Man staring out a window and mm. Thanos is there I don't mm-hmm. think it's I like I don't know like because if you you bring it depends on how much they introduce it like are they going to make it known very early in the film that Palpatine's trying to get back because like even though we know that Palpatine's going to be back. The characters don't know. Yeah, and so that that was kind of uh, is something that's always important to remember. Like a, a like is a big part of this film of any film that has a reveal of a big bad guy. You know, ha- is it going to be just given to the characters, or is it going to be a big reveal of the characters? And I certainly think you know, with the grandiose nature of not only what this film is supposed to be, but of you know these writers who have written these supposedly grandiose things, it's going to be something where you know maybe we have. Uh, plot line A, plot line B, plot line C, they're all in different places in the galaxy. And then in like plot line A, Palpatine comes back. And then maybe in the terms of plot line A, they start to just battle, but it'll cut to like plot line, plot line B, plot line C, and it'll have like, I don't know, Ray in a different plot line. And just, you know, they'll be doing something. They'll be in the middle of some crazy stuff. And then out of nowhere, she'll be like, oh my God, there's a disturbance in the force. And it's going to change like their whole plan. And then they're going to do something similar for the other plot line. And then they're all going to kind of converge back together for that final action scene. That's the only way I can think for them to do it because like, I, I don't know, what are they going to do? Some like uh, Vincent D'Onofrio, Wilson Fisk thing where they give Palpatine his own like act to explain his backstory. Like I can't imagine that happening. And I don't think like that's where the nerds would love it. I think the nerds would love to see what Palpatine's been up to for the last thirty years. Oh yeah, yeah. But I don't think J.J. Abrams would. Like, he's again, J.J. Abrams is a commercial filmmaker. He doesn't care what the nerds think. He cares what the mass audiences think. Mm-hmm, Despite mm-hmm. all his nonsense about like the first time he ever watched Star Wars. Uh, the only thing that mattered to him was the one line of dialogue about Claw Wars, but I don't even know it's him. To this day, I still don't know if it's him, but it feels like something he would say. Because um, again, it, it, as we infinitely know from the Force Awakens behind the scenes documentary, is if you're going to see Star Wars Episode Seven and there isn't a cantina scene, you'd be like, "Where's the cantina scene?" And that's kind mm-hmm. of my thing, though. Is it like, does he go to Chris Terrio and be like, "Oh, we're going to do our own Return of the Jedi"? Like, are we going to yeah. have a scene in this where Rey is Luke Skywalker, Kylo Ren is Darth Vader, and the Emperor is the Emperor? And by that, I mean, it can be Matt Smith possessed Emperor, or it can be Monster Mash sitting in his chair. But he's I don't, there, pulling the strings. He's there. Yeah. We're basically doing the exact same dynamic. We have our protagonist that wants to turn our now anti-hero villain towards the light. Because that's, because again... We don't know any, like, officially, 
we don't know what any of the plot of this movie is, mm-hmm. and we're not going to know what the plot of this movie is and for certain. Beyond again, this is ignoring rumors and scoops until we're sitting in the theater come December 2019 because they didn't give us any plot synopsis for The Force Awakens. They didn't give us any plot synopsis for The Last Jedi. They don't want us knowing the plot until we're sitting like Avengers Endgame. We didn't know what the plot unless you followed the leaks. You went into that movie just knowing, oh. They have to bring everybody back. Yep, exactly. And we don't even have that for this movie. All mm-hmm. we know for certain is Ray's around. Kylo Ren has a helmet. Um, and Palpatine's somehow going to be in this. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. And that's what I mean, though. That's kind of the weird thing. So the only thing, again, ignoring the rumors, the only thing we really have to base this on is the screenwriting style of Chris Terrio, the directing style of J.J. Abrams and the fact there's a very real possibility that J.J. feels like he has to harken back to Jedi. Yeah, yeah, I, uh, I'm i with you. I definitely think that nostalgia element's going to be strong, but no, I've, I think having this conversation, it's almost like, it feels like a certainty to me that it's going to be, you know, kind of what we've been hearing from the rumors, but as we discussed with Chris Terrio, this collect quest type of thing, and then they're going to play keep away, and it's going to be, you know, don't let Palpatine get the, the, the thing, don't let him get the object, because that'd be bad, but of course, you know, He's not going to get the object because this is the third in the trilogy, that type of thing. Well, I think that's, you know, what we're going to see. And we're going to get, of course, it might have some inflections on it that we're not expecting. But I think when you boil it down, that's really what we're going to get is that kind of just search and search and find, search and protect. So this is the question, though, is that there is the rumor going around that Kylo Ren visits this Oracle and this Oracle gives him the Wayfinder device. And this Wayfinder device is what unlocks Palpatine's legacy. And Palpatine doesn't want Kylo Ren unlocking Palpatine's... And by legacy, I mean the Sith Armada. What we're assuming is the Sith Armada somewhere. That's that's out in the unknown regions, collecting dust, waiting for Palpatine to return to it. So does the... Considering that we've already established with with Chris Terrio and the Collect Quest type movie, we're going around from... Locale A to B to C Kylo Ren clearly or somebody Somebody gets The MacGuffin device mm-hmm. Plugs it in and wakes pa- And brings Palpatine back clearly I don't think we're going to have a movie Where we're doing all this and they Stop Palpatine from being reborn Yeah yeah I would I would Agree with you um, so, so in considering that we have that even even in Batman v Superman We have that because isn't that the big thing with Lex, with Jesse Eisenberg, Lex Luthor is the Kryptonian like uh, birthing chamber in the blood, and he needs um he needs oh god Zod's body, like again it, it's it's not as much of a collect quest as Justice League is, but it's get all the stuff and then bring it here to do something, and it yeah. creates and even though I think it's kind of like the the inverse of the collect quest or you kind of like the the dark side version of that where. It doesn't. It's not collect quest to help the good guys. It's collect quest to awaken the bad. Oh yeah, yeah, could be. And that's why I mean, it's not collect quest to help the good guys. It's a collect quest to, and maybe that's that's the weird balance too. Is that like, how much of this does Ray and the good guys know? Because well, like you said, does Ray have a vision that lets her in on this? And so mm-hmm. Ray, all the, so Ray's entire mission in the third movie is going to be just stopping Kylo Ren and failing. That doesn't seem like a thing that would happen in the third movie. That sounds like something that would happen in the second movie. Yeah, yeah. I, like even I was thinking, you know, okay, like um, 
also something we've seen in a lot of these movies, uh, specifically Justice League, is, you know, you have your collect quest, and then it turns into uh, the ticking clock moment, where they're like, we gotta stop the boxes, otherwise they're gonna destroy the world, you know? And so maybe it could be something where we get an act one of um, collect quest, get the items, or bad guys gotta get the items, good guys have to stop them. Bad guys succeed, second act is the ticking clock of like, oh, they got, they set this in motion, they fail, and then third act is let's take down the bad guy. But I agree with you, that's that's like they're jamming the entire trilogy into one movie. Mm-hmm. That's what it feels like. Cause like it fe- in a weird way, it would have made more sense for the last Jedi to end with Palpatine being re- like re- reawakened. Yeah, and, and so everyone the- would be like, "Oh wow, what's going to happen?" Like, next? yeah, yeah, it's exactly. It's like, "Oh God, he's back. What are we going to do?" And then the yeah, third movie been, is, "How do we stop this?" Exactly. It would have been like showing, you know, Thanos at the end of of a. A movie before like when they were working on uh, building up to thanos and he was always that hidden figure and then they show him in the end credits something and it's like oh okay there's something coming where if they did that at the end of the uh, last jedi it'd have been like okay something's coming where at the end of the last jedi i was like people moved rocks and they gotta find <laughs> other people like that's where they are right now <laughs> but again there's also the thing too is that like when Ryan Johnson was writing this film and filming it, Colin Madman Trevorrow was making a completely different film. Mm, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's another thing too. Like, like everybody like, and, and, oh god, you know what the thing that makes me so mad now is that like in months from now there's going to be the narrative around that see J.J. Abrams fixed what Ryan Johnson broke, and nobody realizes that when Ryan Johnson was making The Last Jedi, a completely different filmmaker with a completely separate set of ideas was making a completely different film. Yeah, yeah. And I, even now, I'm getting fatigued and tired of having to if, going to have to explain that now for the next come December 2019, explaining that forever. To mm-hmm. all these people that just want to have their narratives. <laughs> sure. Oh God! You ever you ever feel like like oh God? I guess I guess it's it's uh, fatigue. You ever feel fatigue in advance? Oh yeah, just... yeah. I know what you're talking about. I I definitely know what you're talking about. Future fatigue. It hasn't yeah. happened yet, but you're already tired of something that you're going to have to do in a few months. Yeah, definitely. When I agree to like go to events, public events far out like weeks in advance it gets close to it i'm like oh god i'm tired of this already (laughs) like i know about someone's wedding that's not gonna happen for a year from now and i'm tired of that (laughs) i know what you mean (laughs) oh god but that's the thing too is that like is there a possibility based on what we've laid out and it has been a rumor not really it's not a rumor people have bought into though but there was a rumor at one point they might split episode nine into two movies (laughs) <laughs> and is there a possibility that they do an Avengers Infinity War and they end the movie with Palpatine being reborn and all all hell's broken loose? I and think about wait wait before you answer. Okay. okay. Look at it this way. If you're Disney, and Disney does Disney does not care. All Disney cares about is money. They don't care yes. about the legacy of any of this stuff. They wouldn't have remade The Lion King if they cared about legacy. <laughs> look at look at it this way. Which is better? Having an epic nine-part movie series or having an epic ten-part movie series, considering that the number ten is a much more mentally satisfying number than nine is, is there a possibility that this is the great – and there is that also thing that Kevin Smith said saying that the final shot of episode nine is going to melt everybody's minds. What if – 
they're able to stealthily pull off a two-part movie from this. Let's say they filmed all the footage. I'm not saying that, like a year from now they're going to go and film episode 10. What what if they they end at episode 9 is part 1 and episode 10 comes out. They announce episode 10 the month the following Monday. I think it's I think it's a total possibility. Um like I wouldn't like it. I would I would have <laughs> the same negative things I have I to say about when they do that and I know about it. So, you know, but I, I, I'm with you. I think it's a total possibility. And and the only thing I'm trying to think of now is, you know, where would the scales tip? Like, would it tip to the people who are like, this is annoying because uh, like where I would fall, who I would go like this is the problem with TV shows. They give you a good season and then they make you wait years for any more of it and then it sucks. So that's why I want finished products. But would that outweigh the people who think it's visionary and they they got us, they, they, they tricked us and it's like, oh my God, we never saw it coming and they think that's a cool thing for some reason. That's what I'm not sure of. Who would win out in the majority? Like which, how would that be seen overall in the history books? I don't know. Could they do it? Would they not care? Yes, I agree with you. Would it make an insane amount of money? 100%. But where would that leave the legacy? That's interesting question. I don't, I don't think it, it matters about legacy. With like, Okay. No, the, it might not matter to Disney. I'm interested in just how does it matter? How would it play out to the fans well, in the long well, run? Well, two words. Infinity War. Infinity War. They, they made a movie just to make money. Infinity War doesn't matter when you're watching Endgame. All you need to know is the bad guys lost. I'm sorry, the good guys lost. That's I know, but I, doesn't this doesn't this come into play with us talking about how Star Wars has more of that baggage? It is going to last longer, and you but, will have those people talking about that, such a thing for for years to come. Yeah, but Disney doesn't care. They wouldn't. I know. Be- I know that Disney doesn't care. I'm asking <laughs> about the fans. But like, they don't care about the fans. They wouldn't have made Galaxy's Edge that doesn't feature Darth Vader if they cared. I think that we are we are one spot away from each other. <laughs> Irrelevant of Disney. Let's assume that Disney does this. They stealthily create two movies out of this. Okay. How would that leave the fans in the long run? Would more people say it's visionary and they change the game? Or would more people, would it stick in the history books of they did something stupid and wasted our time? That's my question. I agree with everything prior to this. Okay. It depends. So let's say they bring up a good point there, because I was thinking long term after they're both out. There's also the portion of the in between and the really in the theaters still. Rob, people don't even remember Infinity War came out. Like, do you ask people like, oh, what was the movie before Endgame to be like Captain Marvel before that? Yes, exactly. Uh, People don't remember Infinity War. Think about Infinity War made two billion dollars. Yeah, I would imagine. But if you asked these the people that were saying I'm going to give Marvel 30, do- 30 tickets worth of my money and you ask them to list every single one of these films in chronological order, they probably couldn't tell you. I agree. I, I feel like I- I'm I'm asking more of the, of like we said, those Star Wars fans. Like, how I, is this going to play out? Because I agree with you, the, the regular movie-going audiences, they're not going to care. They're going to be like, they're going to be 50-50, I would say. It's a coin flip if they're bummed because they got to pay for another movie that their kid can go see in a few months or they love it because it's like, whoa, I didn't expect that. But like we said, the same people who need that explanation for Palpatine, that they can't just have that glossed over, are they going to be okay with a stealthy split, like a subversion like that? Uh, 
It depends. If J.J. Abrams gives them everything that they want, if they get a sequence of of Luke apologizing for not training Ray Pop uh, properly, if they get another, I should have trained you. Yeah. If they, so if if they, if, if they episode nine is like knocked out of the park, they'd be okay with it. Okay, yeah, I see what you're saying. I, if if episode nine plays like Infinity War. Which there's no reason to think it couldn't Hypothetically, again, this is all hypothetical I'm not, For the record, neither one of us is saying this is going to happen um, Any any of our scenarios But if it, and considering that this is all the same company They all have access to each other's projects mm-hmm. So like, mm-hmm. Infinity War comes out April 2018 J.J. Abrams is beginning principal photography On the Rise of Skywalker and sees all this and says, oh, and considering that Infinity War was being filmed at the beginning of 2017, there's no reason to believe that they couldn't build this sort of these different avenues in if they want. Definitely. Like money, money is no issue for Disney when it comes to these things. Like that was kind of the joke from like, I think, oh God, I forget what earnings call it was, where it was like, Infin- like Endgame made us is our is the highest grossing movie of all time. Yet it might be the most expensive movie of all time. <laughs> sure, it's kind of the idea that like in order to make money, you have to spend money. And could I see them doing that? Of course, because they yeah. need they, they again. Solo was a a huge misfire. They need to rebound from that. And I I'm seeing it in a lot of places. Rise of Skywalker is going to be touted not just like in the entertainment trades. It's going to be touted in every layer where Star Wars is discussed as the film where everything is riding on it. Mm-hmm. Because this is going to be our lasting impression of Star Wars for 3 years. I don't care how good The Mandalorian is. It's on freaking TV. It doesn't yeah. matter. It's not epic. That's it's gonna be the right and never mind too. They haven't even started marketing that yet. Like I know next week I'm gonna go into a huge rant about about that. But think about it. The Mandalorian comes out in three months and we don't have a single piece of marketing for that other than like like two or three images. Okay. That's okay. it. Like clearly the 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 emphasis in the Star Wars Lucasfilm PR department is on the rise of Skywalker. Yeah. And that's what I'm thinking is that they're going to have to do something, maybe not. I know subversion is a dirty word now in the Star Wars fan base, but maybe they're going to have to do something ambitious. Mm-hmm, and mm-hmm. I think Palpatine is that ambitious thing. But like we discussed last week, it's insane that they're going to pack this much into the final film of the saga. Yeah, yeah. It's like, the, like we said, like getting the whole trilogy in there, it, 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 it doesn't fit. It, it makes it too, uh, too condensed. You're not really letting those ideas breathe. And think about it, like you have Palpatine being reborn, you have the road to Palpatine being reborn, you have Ray's lineage being explained, you have the resolution to not just the First Order conflict, to the whole Star Wars conflict, mm-hmm. you have you have, you have the complete arcs for Finn, for Poe, uh, Lando, the new characters, Jonna, Daft Punk, Zam Wessel, they have to do something with Princess Leia. They have, yeah. to explain, they have to explain her away. They have to have her get into like a car and drive like veer off to the left while Charlie <laughs> Puth see you again's playing. <laughs> nice. They're gonna give uh, Princess Leia the thumb wars treatment where she's gonna just they're like everything's gonna happen and then she's gonna have one shot like where she goes, I escaped somehow, <laughs> and that's all <laughs> you see from her. <laughs> well, I could very uh, going back to what we've been saying with like Palpatine, Sith Armada. And there is also the element that think about too. This film is so overstuffed as it is. Plus, they have to work in old excised footage 
of a deleted plot thread from five years ago. Yeah, yeah. Like, that's another, like, okay, that's another layer to Chris Terrio. Imagine Chris Terrio has to then look at old excised footage from The Force Awakens oh, and, and yeah. play and write a script that not just like, Weaves that in but is centered around That to a certain yeah, degree yeah it's like a, a Form of revert not reverse engineering but You know it's like um, You get you get the comic and you have to fill In the caption not the other way around you don't Think of the joke mm-hmm. first you have to you have to see It and then think of the joke yeah he, he Has to write a script around a B Plot yeah. I didn't think about that that's a good Point because that's something that uh, Yeah they I don't, I don't know that. If, I don't know I, Yeah but I don't know how often he's done that how Often that is done but that's something I I would not even I don't have enough knowledge about to like how you even go a Hollywood machine goes about you know dealing with that but yeah it, it's tough it's got to be well it has to be based on the rumors that we have about the Sith Armada that has to be there mm-hmm. to counterbalance the Warhammer plot because okay. what's going to happen is there's going to be a line of dialogue from one of the characters, whether it be Poe, Finn, Ray, C-3PO, Chewbacca. It's going to be Sith Empire has returned. And it's going to be, what are we going to do? And Princess Leia will be there and say, I have it handled. And it'll be another Captain America picking up Thor's hammer moment where we're going to see, we're going to see Leia piloting this giant ship called the Warhammer. And it's going to be, yeah, it's going to be one of those moments where we see Leia kick ass with her own giant space weapon. And we'll have a line of dialogue. Like after all the years of watching the bad guys have one, now I have mine. (laughs) And she like, and we'll have a moment in the film where we'll have a bunch of like resistance fighters like it'll be like kind of like um like return of the jedi there'll, there'll be a bunch of just fighters fighting and it'll be like oh man sith sith armada has arrived what are we going to do mm-hmm. and then i know where we're gonna have a leia showing up and it's gonna smash like through like because it ha- it's gonna be the jj yeah. abrams thing oh in star trek 2009 we have the enterprise but the romulans have an even bigger ship and then yeah. and then into darkness there's the enterprise but Admiral Robocop has an even bigger r- 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 version of mm-hmm. the Enterprise. Then we have The Force Awakens. It's the Death Star. They have an even bigger r- 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 version of the Death Star. It destroys multiple planets, yep. And I could very well imagine that like Palpatine Sith Armada is made up of, like I don't know, hundreds of ships. Remember, we have to outdo Return of the Jedi. We mm-hmm. can't just have like a couple of Mon Calamari ships and like two dozen Star Destroyers. It has to be bigger r- 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 than that. So can you imagine the scene right now where all of Palpatine's Sith Star Destroyers are there and then what are, there's going to be a what are we going to do moment? And then yeah. out of nowhere, Leia shows up with her giant war hammer and it smashes through like a dozen of these things all at once. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep. And we cut, and, and we're gonna cut to like a reactionary shot from Finn, Poe, Ray, and then we cut to Leia with her like a mm-hmm face <laughs> on because if that happens, that one moment that will add fifty to seventy-five million dollars to the opening weekend. Sure, that sure. that one scene. Forget Luke Skywalker force pulling his lightsaber. That alone will add one hundred and fifty million dollars. Like that's the thing. Even going back to like the box office for this film. If this film can have the Captain America picking up Thor's hammer yep. moment, exactly. if it can have Captain Marvel crashing through a ship moment, if it can have a I am Iron Man moment, if it can do these little things that just make the, the filthy casuals go, 
if they can have those moments, those are the things that make a film have an opening weekend of $300 million. Because mm-hmm, mm-hmm. as much as the Star Wars fan base, and I can't put enough quotation marks around this word, so I'm going to try, rebelled against The Last Jedi, they're the first ones that are going to be applauding when they have the moments, to have the the fan the, was yeah. it the, the 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 stroking the fan moments? Sure, absolutely. And that and the weird thing is that Star Wars was never built on disingenuous fan service. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. That's the weird thing that like when you watch Revenge of the Sith and Yoda pulls back the two Emperor's royal guards walking into the Emperor's office, as weird as that sounds, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> which, which is really funny when you think that the Emperor has an office. <laughs> um, but anyway, though, like when people laughed at that moment, which all <laughs> five, I've never right? thought about it that way. The idea that... <laughs> I'm just imagining him. Um, there's like an intercom somewhere on his chair, and he's like, "Send in my three o'clock." <laughs> <laughs> Let's have that moment. Can we have that moment in the Rise of Skywalker? Chris bureaucracy moment. Yes. <laughs> oh God. Um, but you know, that's what I want. I want you know maybe instead of Matt Smith, Seth MacFarlane is the Emperor in the Rise of Skywalker. Oh well. We could only hope. Right? We can only hope. <laughs> but the layers of latex. Um, but no, but I think about that though. Like every single time, like I saw Revenge of the Sith five times in theaters in 2005. And every single time when Yoda walks in, he just like force pulls the Emperor's guards like back into the wall and they fall over. Mm-hmm. That got a laugh. That got a reaction every single time. Okay. I can't think of a single moment from both the prequels and the original trilogy. Where fan service got the guffawing clapping moment. Yeah, you're right. There none is of, none. none of, yeah, none that I can think of. There's none of that. There's no. It's like people clapped for when Yoda did his like thing with Count Dooku because we'd never seen Yoda behave that way before. Mm-hmm. Watching Leia show up in a super weapon. That's not a. Like again, it, it's it's weird. Like you want people to react to your movie. That's not a bad thing, but to like plug in these elements that, that aren't there to help the story, they're just there to get a rise out of the audience. It's kind of exactly. like exactly. It's like we were joking about. It's kind of like the opposite of a jump scare. It's it's that same sort of just like conditioning, but to an alternate end. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm, exactly and, and that's what's so like and that's the scary thing about like these people working on star wars is that clearly they have a mandate from the studio saying oh right solo bombed and clearly darth maul showing up at the end of solo was that moment and it mm-hmm, backfired mm-hmm. on them. they probably when they plugged darth maul into that moment they probably figured, oh, this is going to add a hundred, like probably fifty million dollars to the opening weekend. <laughs> they probably thought that. They yeah, probably but, did. But little did they know. Yeah. Little did they know that, like, casual audiences, and that's what it comes back to. You hope they would have learned things from the debacle that was Solo. That just plugging in fan service doesn't work. Yeah. Yeah. It, not, it doesn't work all the time, that is. Exactly, exactly. Fan service has to work if it's plugged in at the exact right moment and the people are on yeah. board for it. Plugging in Red Leader and Gold Leader into, into Rogue One during a skirmish that happens right before the movie they're in makes perfect sense. Plugging in a character who died three movies earlier in the continuity that 99.9% of the audience <laughs> thinks is dead is not good fan service. Yeah, uh, yeah, exactly. 100%. Has to, um, in some sense, be earned, uh, but it should be appropriate. And, and, the, and the million dollar question is, 
Are J.J. Abrams and Chris Terrio aware of that? Is Kathleen Kennedy aware of that? No, I don't think so, unfortunately. That's, that, <laughs> that's the problem, though. Is that, But you also have the same time, though, you have a J.J. Abrams that hates three films of the saga. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And he's kind of, I don't want to say he's being forced, but he's kind of begrudgingly maybe placing elements of those films into yeah. this because... The market research says, oh, those people who grew up on the prequels now have discretionary income. Yep. Oh, yeah, exactly. And we, and we want their money. We cannot ignore them. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Could and be. That, Could be. Where he's getting, you know, his hand, his uh, arm pulled that way. Yep. And again, we're not even, I'm not even saying that. I'm just, again, speculating. I have nothing to base that off of. This is just, this is just, uh. We got a scoop. <laughs> yeah, I know, right? Is there is the guy who co-wrote Justice League and Batman v Superman up to the task that we've laid out over the last hour plus? I I don't <laughs> think so, but that just leads you to us to uh, I think the 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 terrible idea of you know them splitting it into the two movies type of thing as we said and you know giving themselves the more time and but I don't I don't uh, I don't know I think it's going to be a nightmare no matter what <laughs> unless uh, unless. Like the Force Awakens, they kept us in the dark with the Force Awakens, and that is a very straightforward, concise film. Definitely, definitely. And that's what JJ does. Like, there are no, there's not a single JJ Abrams film, film, not TV show, that is convoluted. Yeah, you, yeah. you can explain every single one of his movies for the most part in like one to two sentences. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Absolutely. With the exception of maybe Mission, Mission Impossible Three. But that was like his first like directorial debut. That was his directorial debut. Um, Tom Cruise had his fingers in there. That was when Tom Cruise was at his peak insanity. Oh, okay. But if you look at like Star Trek, <laughs> you're glib, JJ. You're glib. <laughs> <laughs> that is a no one's gonna get that right. That, that's a reference. That's a reference. Uh, but yeah, I can think of Star Trek. Star Trek straightforward. Super Eight straightforward. Star exactly. Trek Into Darkness is straightforward. Force Awakens couldn't be any more concise. And, so yeah, uh, we could get something that's really you know straightforward, collect quest like as we've discussed, and and it's just going to touch on all these things, and it's going to you know not be all of the grand closure that uh, I think not for everything that everybody's been speculating, but yeah, it's a possibility. This could just be a very much straight down the road like oh I get it, I watched it, uh, I was it was enjoyable, you know, it was more of an uh, just a, a like you're traipsing through the Star Wars universe. Like that's how it's, I saw The Force Awakens. It was like, okay, I'm just in the Star Wars universe again. And you know, I was here back when I was a kid, so nothing's really new, and there's nothing more to gain from it. So it could be. I guess there's also the thing too that nobody's factored into any of this is that how much of a crutch is the opening crawl going to be? Oh, they can, expl- they can explain a they can set a lot of context real fast with that opening crawl. Yeah, could don't. Yeah, definitely. Don't some of the prequel opening crawls they like don't make sense? I think one of the prequel opening crawls doesn't make sense to me. I don't remember which one though. Well, um, but yeah, you could. You know, that's where you can handle some time lapses, some character motivations, some X Y Z, and really set it up. You're right. I didn't think about that. Yeah, you. They could set up the entire Palpatine thing in the opening crawl if they wanted to. Exactly. They yeah. could say something like. It, it it's it's been I don't know I don't think it would give us a specific time. It's gonna be something like in since we last left since Luke Skywalker's epic sacrifice at the Battle of Crate, the First Order's thirst for power has not been quenched. Mm-hmm. Ky- Kylo Ren 
is on a dangerous path to possibly the ultimate power, but it comes at great cost. Ray and our Ray and our band of heroes are trying to uh, cobble together a band of fighters inspired by the sacrifice of Luke Skywalker, but which but have learned of Kylo Ren's dark or or dangerous path toward complete control, which will find which will get to the final conclusion again, folks, this is not as eloquent as it could be, which will get to that final thing first. Mm. Mm-hmm. They could set it they, with, with three paragraphs. Yep. They could do a lot of groundwork. Absolutely. And I think it comes full circle because you basically described the, what if, if justice league had an opening crawl, that would be it. <laughs> Superman <laughs> is dead. The world is in shambles or, you know, crime runs amok. Batman seeing the error of his ways realizes that he must join forces with the other heroes of the world to collect boxes who will collect the boxes first? first. And you, that you're exactly right. They could set up that whole easy exposition just right there. And then JJ can have his room to play with, you know, the emotional character motivations and things like that. And the, and the force and the mystic side of it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think that's, I think this is going to be much more streamlined than we're giving it credit for. And I think a lot of these characters are going to be like spring. It's kind of like with uh, Simon Pegg. As Unkar Plutt during the Force mm. Awakens, everybody knew he was playing somebody, and he was going to be an alien because from like one of the behind the scenes things that showed him in costume. Mm-hmm. And there's a very real possibility that some of these characters are just meant to be like I don't want to say like in one off scenes, but like uh, Carrie Russell's character, like Daft yeah. Punk Sam Russell, just because she's in the Vanity Fair thing and there's a Lego figure. Uncar Plot, I think, got a, a Lego minifigure. Yeah, doesn't it, everybody get Lego figures these days? <laughs> more or less. At this point, there's more of a chance of you being a Lego minifig than there is being a, a, a Hasbro figure. Yeah, there's, I think there's Lego figures for, like, real people now, aren't they? They make, like, yeah, like for Sully. Then they make a Sully Lego action figure or something like that. And it's just like, what are you doing, Lego? Like, come on. Like, you, <laughs> now, just, you took, like, the old town mechanic because he has gray mustache and you put some hair on him <laughs> and a pilot oh, God. outfit. <laughs> what, what was the name of – I know it was U.S. Airways, but what was the, number, what was the flight number for, for the Sully thing? Oh, I – I would not remember. I'd have to look that up. Rob, how many votes do we need on like Lego Digest to get the Lego Sully like U.S. Airways flight, like, <laughs> like mir- Miracle in the Miracle on the Hudson, U.S. Airways Sully <laughs> set with Lego Goose. <laughs> <laughs> oh my god, that's so funny! How much grant money do we need to prove that that there's a demand for that? That's probably an insane amount. <laughs> Like that is the end all grant. That's the holy grail. The holy grant. I was gonna say the holy grail of grants. It's just the holy grant. <laughs> oh, that's great. That's great. One five four this. nine. That was the flight number. <laughs> nice. Miracle on the Hudson. UA's. Uh, U.S. Airways or U.S. U. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Uh, yeah. U.S. Airways. Yeah. Yeah. So I remember oh God, back in like great. what 20, 2016, they released the Lego. Um, yellow submarine kit like it had the four beetles little lego figures you could build the yellow submarine they're gonna do the same thing with the miracle on the hudson (laughs) oh my god that'd be great oh lego are you listening (laughs) (laughs) all right i think we've tapped this drain this well right yeah i liked it like it was like what an hour ago where i said i wasn't gonna do this and started talking about episode nine (laughs) but no i think that's that's like i agree with that completely everything we have is speculation 
And while I think it's fun to speculate, and I'm glad I got to do some on this episode or in this discussion, I should say, I I do definitely think it's tiresome because it gets to a point where it's like, you know, you're just spinning your wheels, you know? You can have as many crazy ideas as you want, but it's not going to matter once you sit down and watch that movie. And so that's why I think Zach had a great idea discussing it from this perspective of, you know, what have these people written? How do they tell stories? What are we going to get? And even though we're, I think, kind of finishing up this up on a sour note that we aren't excited about what we're going to get. That's what we have. It's what we have to work with. It's all we have to work with. I, you know, I've never seen the Vanity Fair pictures and I don't think there's anything to be gained from those, right? There's still images from a movie. And as we talked about half the stuff in trailers, aren't even the final cuts of movies these days. Yeah. The only they gave us, like they actually marketed to us. Wouldn't that be great? They actually sold us. I gave us marketing material, so we yeah. Wouldn't it be cool to like have to know what this movie's about and be like, "Wow, that's a cool idea," and not just be like, "It's Star Wars," (laughs) because the director has this weird sort of like anal retentive issue that he was never never able to work out like in his childhood years. What stage? What stage is that in Freud's developmental like thing of children? Like the anal retentive stage, where if you don't work out your issues, then yeah, it becomes a a problem for the rest of your life. Yeah, something like that. Can someone just like give J.J. Abrams like a free like like maybe on the next film he makes he has like free psychotherapy sessions? Maybe we can work out some of his demons. Yeah, quite possibly. All right, Rob. (laughs) (laughs) With all the money we make from the 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 Sully Miracle on the Hudson Lego set, we'll 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 uh, we'll provide the money for J.J.'s psychotherapy sessions. Yes. So so I have to say it, it sounds like. The Star Wars is coming to a wrap. There was one or two things I did want to point out from Justice League that I thought was I thought were exceptionally baffling, if we have time for it. Sure, of course. Okay, well. It's Ben Affleck's um, birthday, after all. Yeah, so we have to focus a little more on Ben Affleck uh, as Batman. But uh, some of the other things, I think this goes along with, you know, the lasso of truth makes you tell the truth. Like, you need to tell the bad guy for it to work. I love that there's, a, a like, a, a subplot for the first, I don't know, quarter of the movie is that Cyborg just keeps evolving. Like, he's like, I couldn't fly yesterday, but now I can fly today, Miles Dyson. And then eventually, he evolves the ability to just randomly see, like, still images from uh, closed camera video footage of the Batcave. Do you remember this scene, Zach? Yeah. And, like, that's how he finds Batman, and he's like, I know you're looking for me. Why are you looking for me? And that's how he, like, joins up with them. But... In that scene, he's it's like basically like his hands are showing the pinwheel of pictures and he's like using his hands like a minority report type of thing almost. And on the pictures that he's scrolling through where it shows Ben Affleck like in the Batman costume but with his hood off, so it's like, oh, Bruce Wayne is Batman. The top of the pictures say that they're from, it'll say like Batcave Cam number 1D, Batcave Cam number 4A. Why would Bruce Wayne ever label his cameras Batcave Cam? That's the <laughs> biggest security issue. He even says earlier in the film when Wonder Woman just shows up in the Batcave out of nowhere, he's like, I spent so much money making this building secure. And it's like, clearly you don't if you have cameras named Batcave Cam pointed at your face. <laughs> To be to be fair, Rob, this was back during his era of like fighting the penguin and the Riddler and like, what <laughs> so man bat. There was going to be anything super high tech. <laughs> no, like when you're big, like this isn't Jeremy Irons. Say like when you're big, like 
oh god, one of our biggest concerns were wind up blow up like blow up penguins. Yeah, yeah, he does say something like that. Yep. Oh, that yeah. just blew me away. But I, yeah, I thought that was so funny. Batcave Cam Four A and stuff like that. Oh, that was good. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention. Uh, I actually had two things. Uh, one was in the movie. One was a quick scene at the end. But one in the movie, like the scene where they bring Superman back to life and then they like all fight him. That's probably the most fun I had watching this movie because it's just like they're like, what's he going to do? And, and Aquaman's like, he's not OK. I'm freaking out. And they're like, stop freaking out. And then he like Cyborg shoots at him because he can't control it. Like, that's a fun scene. Oh, yeah. But I hate the way they set it up is they have that little bit like before they're going to do it. Batman is, or Ben Affleck's talking to uh, uh, Alfred, and he's like, if things go south, we're going to need the big guns. And he's like, those are really big guns. And then it turns out, like, after Superman beats the crap out of the rest of the Justice League, including Batman, that the big guns is Lois Lane. There is no way, shape, or form that you are telling me they would not have Lois Lane be the first damn thing he sees when he wakes up. Like, the only thing he had any connection with on the planet Earth before he died. Why would they not have, like, why would they need to drive her in from a distance? I would be holding her in front of me, going, look, look, remember. And it's just a useless scene. It's just like it's played out for stupid suspense, it seems. It's called reshoots, Rob. It's called reshoots. <laughs> yeah, well, there, there you go. Um... And then we have, uh, we have to highlight, though, the greatest line of dialogue ever. Oh, uh, oh, OK, I almost forget the greatest <laughs> delivery of a line of dialogue ever in the history of cinema. And it's a bummer by, that it comes from Wonder Woman. <laughs> yes, but it is. Cal- Cal- no, no. We'll have to get the clip in. Right? We'll insert it multiple times. It's a. Uh, it's great. There's a reason why Gal Gadot, even though she's she's good as Wonder Woman, uh, she is not a seasoned actress. Yeah. She's not, which is which is which is true. She's not. She was never. <laughs> remember, folks, her she had a plot point in one of the Fast and Furious movies where uh, she had to she needed a guy to slap her ass while wearing a bikini. That was a plot point in one of those movies. <laughs> Did you know that, Rob? I think I've heard about it, but from you. <laughs> I've never seen that one. That's I've only really seen we- Tokyo Drift. <laughs> oh, jeez. There's like 15 of those now. Yeah, yeah, it's still the only one I've ever seen, and I have no... It was one of my buddies, like a few, like a month ago, he's like, I want to watch all the Fast and Furious movies in the uh, in the correct order. And I'm like, what? <laughs> like, in disbelief, because why would he say this? Because I have respect <laughs> for him. And then he goes, no, there's like a correct order to watch the movies in. And I'm like, I was not saying what about that. <laughs> I was not blown away by the fact that they're not in chronological order. I'm blown away by the fact that you care. Those movies get a lot of credit for being like progressive. Then you realize that like a plot point is a woman has to be smacked on the ass in order for them to do something. <sighs> like that's weird. Like, that's a weird, like, like I, it makes sense for those movies. I'm not saying it's wrong, but it's weird now that like, we look at these movies, like some sort of like grand, like social statement. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And it's like, Oh, I'm like, really? I'm like, did you ever watch these movies? Like, I get it. Like, exactly. diverse, like diverse cast. Great. I dig it. But like, did we ever like delve into what these movies are about? Like the first one's about them sealing like DVD players. Like, yeah. <laughs> and then like in the eighth one, like there's like a nuclear bomb, like on a submarine and, Charlize Theron has dreadlocks. Like, do we, do we, do we talk in that, 
and that Vin Diesel's baby's mama gets shot in the head, like in front of their child. Do we like not oh. like like it's weird like that? And that was like in the last one. Oh God! Okay, those movies are weird. Like those movies, like they're yeah. not weird. Like like in a haha sense, it's just like like it's funny how those movies all now make like a billion dollars each, and yet it's like how? Yeah, exactly. Like exactly. why even have a plot? Just have like like back like in the nineties where like you go to Blockbuster and rent a video called like Cool Cars, like video number three. Like just have like pay Vin Diesel to drive like a green screen car. Just have him just like like move the steering wheel around. Yeah, exactly. There you go. Film it's like the audience five wants. of them in a month. <laughs> exactly. You have like Fast and Furious 12 by like like December. Yeah, perfect. All right. Uh, Justice League. Oh, I, I think the uh, I, I did um, enjoy some of the sequences or some of the shots in the like the ending monologue because they beat Steppenwolf and then they're all just like something, something, the world, something, something, Justice League, whatever. And uh, well, step once Steppenwolf is defeated, all of the stuff that he like was releasing from the boxes in Russia start to turn into plants from the Shimmer. That's what it made me think of. Zach. <laughs> I thought of Yellow Submarine. It's like oh, everything starts okay. to turn into, like a lush like world. Yeah, there you go. Okay, yeah. I was so, hoping um, George Harrison would start saying, "It's all too much <laughs> for me to take." Yeah, that makes sense. And and then I also I think probably I I I really liked probably because it was so subtle. That there's a Catwoman reference at the end, and oh, is there? I, yeah, and so at the one of the last shots of the film is like it's basically like okay we work together now but we're all you know waiting for the next big big problem to come our way type of thing and it shows like Wonder Woman's out in the world and she like is the, the shot starts where in the background it's like two cops are taking a woman who's decked out like Audrey Hepburn into a cop car. And then Wonder Woman comes into frame and she's like putting artifacts from this museum like back in their boxes. And that's Catwoman. Catwoman is like, you know, the Audrey Hepburn glasses. And it's like the the statue she puts in the box is in the shape of a cat. And there's like a girl in cat ears in the frame. And I I got it from the Audrey Hepburn thing because like old school Batman, it's like that's what Catwoman was. Like by day, she's this high class woman. But by night, she steals all her jewelry type of thing. And I love that it was that subtle. And I also love that it's Wonder Woman busting her and not Batman. Because I'm like, good, good. The universe is coming together, you know? And then they ruin it with the post credit scene of, of Jesse Eisenberg again. <laughs> <laughs> and Deathstroke for no reason. Yes, and he's like, I hope you're not wasting my time. And it's like, he's Lex Luthor. Are you serious? That's a jo- useless line of dialogue. <laughs> and you're Joe Mangiello. Mangiello. What guy? What's his name? Jo- Joe Mangiello. Joe Mangia- yeah, yeah. All you've got is being married to uh, uh, <laughs> Sophia, whatever her name is. The right? Mar- <laughs> <laughs> no, Ver- Vergara. Right? Vergara, there yeah. we go. Thank you. I can't miss, if Zach doesn't remember what comes after Sophia, the answer is always the first. Which is, oddly enough, one of the most popular cinema episodes that we've ever recorded. <laughs> Inexplicably. Yeah, if you want to hear Zach and I argue about how to raise children, go dive into the backlog of cinema for Sophia the first, because I'm pretty sure that happens. That discussion happens. It does. Nice. Oh, God. That uh, was the last thing I had for Justice League, was the Catwoman reference I liked. It was the little cherry on top for me. Um, so yeah, where do you want to go from here? I think we, I think we, we discussed everything. I don't like, again, for justice league, I think it's a fine movie. Okay. It's not a fine movie. It's a mess of a movie, <laughs> but like it's, it's fan four stick level where like, I have a hard time even judging it as a movie. It feels so just kind of like Frankenstein, Frankenstein monster together. 
Yeah, yeah. And like I like I do love like you have like all the other members of the Justice League are getting like beat up by uh, a, a giant pile of product, and like <laughs> Superman shows up and starts beating the crap out of them. I think that's great. Like it's 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 a shame that we're never going to get like happy go lucky Henry Cavill Superman ever again. Yeah, yeah. Because like he plays a really great happy go lucky version of the character, and it's too bad we just got the brooding guy who likes murdering people. Mm-hmm. True. It's a shame because like he's great. Like that final like. 10 minutes i will i love that like they're all fighting <laughs> together and superman's just like doing a shtick you know some of it doesn't make sense where he's like oh man like my bones hurt and i'm like you're just superman oh yeah yeah nothing nothing ever hurts like like that's the <laughs> point <laughs> yeah exactly but uh yeah no it's uh justice league i'll probably never watch it again good <laughs> Me neither. <laughs> I will definitely watch Batman v Superman again, though. Oh God! I even think it's really funny. Is like I was thinking about Batman v Superman, like in preparation for this conversation, because there was no way I was ever going to rewatch it in time for this. <laughs> but like, I do think, like years from now, we are going to look back at Batman v Superman as kind of like this bizarre world, like opus, in that okay. like how like it's such a unique take on the characters mm-hmm. like we're gonna look like it's funny like what's going on now with like batman like forever no batman robin excuse me it's oh, kind of okay. like it's kind of like how we look at batman robin now where it's like oh like is it a very good batman story no but it's a very unique take on the characters mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. like we're never going to get an iron man or a captain america movie in the same vein as like a Batman and Robin or a Batman yeah. v Superman Dawn, Dawn of Justice. Yeah, that's a, that's true. Marvel's never going to give us alternate takes on the characters like this because there's just too much money like on the like riding on the brand's existence. Yeah, yeah. Whereas like if you're going to keep on rebooting Batman, you've got to do something different with them each time. Even if it's just slight, you got like again, you have Adam West Batman. Even before that, you have this, the the thirty serial Batman. Mm-hmm. Then you have Keaton Batman. Then you have Val Kilmer Batman. Then you have, or I guess you should say Joel Schumacher Batman. And then you have Christopher <laughs> yeah. Nolan Batman. Then you have animated Batman, and you have all these different like takes on the character. It's like, oh, what's the difference between animated Captain America and like Chris Evans Captain America? They're both stoic for the most part. <laughs> and they just kind of yep. like just like mumble through their dialogue and literally every single incarnation of iron man from now until eternity is going to be the robert downey jr incarnation of the character yeah they're, they're never gonna be able to recast that character yep for no other reason than just they just don't want to <laughs> true that's that's kind of the shame though it's like i think batman v superman not that it'll ever be looked back as like a great movie but I do think it will be looked back eventually with some level of reverence as like, oh, it didn't work, but they at least swung for the fences. Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I agree with you there. It's um, it, it's a, an ambitious undertaking that didn't execute very well. It's an admirable failure. Yeah, there you go. There you go. Whereas Justice League is just a mess. It's a, it's a <laughs> pile of product. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I think it was lump of product. Well, I'm sorry. It's all, it's all synonymous, the right? <laughs> There's a clear distinction between a lump and a pile of product. <laughs> yes. It, fun fact, folks, if you look at the credits of uh, Justice League, you see Kieran Hines. His, he's credited as playing a lump of product. <laughs> Go take out your Blu-ray copy right now, or like, or what kind of sticky? I don't know. How do you how do you get Netflix started? We kind of warm up the Netflix. I'm pretty sure that's how he's credited. Oh yeah. 
<laughs> I thought you were saying, like, how do you get Netflix, like, an account started? And I was about to say, like, you know, call your friends, call your siblings, <laughs> something like that. <laughs> All right, you ready to wrap this bad boy up? Yeah, I, I, uh, I think so. I, uh, I'm glad I survived another comic book movie. <laughs> Kal-El, no. Kal-El, no. <laughs> yeah, exactly. So concludes this episode of Happy Birthday, Ben Affleck's birthday episode. Ooh, happy birthday, Ben. Check out our Facebook group. Type in Knights of Vader in the Facebook and you'll find us there waiting for you. Find us on Instagram at KOV Podcast. Send us an email, kovpodcast at gmail.com. If you like what you hear, please rate, review, subscribe to us on iTunes or whatever podcasting platform you're currently listening to us on. Thank you to An Inspiriority Complex for providing our theme song. You're Requ- welcome. <laughs> uh, check out the show notes to hear more from them. For questions, comments, concerns, or snide remarks, contact me, Zach, on Twitter, at Cinemodis, and on the Cinemodis podcast, where we'll be discussing... Oh, uh, whitest kids you know? Ding, 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 ding. Yes. <laughs> and that does not mean discussing ourselves. No. Uh, but hear us discuss the John Williams sketch again. Oh, yeah, that's right. <laughs> so, Rob, when you are not, not trying to buy mustard ANAs or mayo must, what are you up to and where can people find you? You can find me, uh, like Zach said, over on Cinemodities or... Uh, through an inferiority complex. If uh, you search for us on Facebook or look for uh, a few posts we have in the Knights of Vader Facebook group, you can find us on there. We like to post about um, music we love, music we uh, release, things like that. And I want to give a special highlight that we are uh, promoting right now uh, a new band that's come around that uh, we are slightly involved with. Uh, we've been helping them kind of get off the ground and that type of stuff. They are called the Immortal Lansberries. Check them out. Uh, they have a really great few tracks just started. I think the album's coming out sometime in September. Uh, the single right now is Smothered. That's out there. Getting some good traction. It's been stuck in my head for a long time. I don't know if Zach's heard it, but check it out. And yeah, other than that, uh, music, movies of the non-comic book variety, that's what we got. Thanks for having me on, Zach. It's always a pleasure to be here. Uh, hopefully next time... Uh, it'll be what reading weird books. I think that's what you want me to do is a book review. <laughs> yeah, that that uh, tease as to what October holds for you folks. Uh, there will be it'll be the first time in Knights of Vader history that there will be a book review that will not just be me yelling at you yes, for a half Zach, an hour. Because Zach finally found another Knight of Vader that can read. <laughs> Honorary Knight of Vader. You're not Ooh. exactly well. You're I'm, honor- I'm still the only one that can read. So. <laughs> <laughs> So, yes, yeah, I'm making fun of uh, the other Knights of Vader behind my back, so get at me. (laughs) Oh, boy, folks. All righty. As always, good night, but not goodbye. Remember Alderaan and down with the Empire. Happy birthday, Ben Affleck. We'll see you next year. Yes. This time we'll we'll pick something else that you're you're just a little bit better at. Now now leave and and leave the cake behind, okay? (laughs) Yeah. It's our ice cream cake. We get to keep it. Get out of here. I called you an Uber. Excuse me. Who the f*** are you?